Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4, a podcast where we take a nostalgic look at movies from different generational perspectives. And I am your host, Peter, an 80s baby. And joining me is a returning guest, Amanda, from the Cinema Geek Podcast. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, thanks. And I am an 80s baby, but I was raised in the 90s. That's where my love falls. Yep, as did I. And uh, for those that missed you on uh, the previous episode, you joined me for another Tim Burton joint, uh, the uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. So, um, yeah, if anyone missed that, they can hear you on that one. So, uh, speaking of Tim Burton, you are returning to talk about uh, Edward Scissorhands. Uh, We're actually recording this episode for the week of, what is it, Alice Through the Looking Glass? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're going back to the first time Tim Burton and Johnny Depp uh, made up, um, or I guess collabed together here. Uh, So the movie came out in 1990, uh, and before we get into the movie, let's talk about some of the movies and songs that came out during the time of its release. Let's do it. All right. So let's start with some of the movies. Uh, So this movie, uh, Edward Scissorhands, came out uh, mid December of 1990. So I don't I don't go into the following year. So I'm just gonna, you know, look at like October through December. Um, are you familiar with Night of the Living Dead? Yes. Okay. So that was one. How about Jacob's Ladder? No, no. No, you've never heard of that one. I've heard of it, but I've never seen. It. I don't even know who's in it. Uh, it stars uh, Tim Robbins. Uh, you know, who was in like Hudsucker Proxy and Shawshank Redemption. I saw it the one time because somebody recommended it to me. And this was when I was working at Blockbuster. And, um, you know, I was going around asking people for recommendations. They're like, oh, Jacob's Ladder. So I watched it. And yeah, it's like really dark. And, um, you know, I'm sure it's for a lot of people, but it definitely wasn't for me. So uh, I don't know. Maybe hear from some other people before checking that out. Uh, <laughs> I. I I think there's supposed to be like a TV version like in the works or something. You know how Hollywood does. Yeah, yeah. All right. How about Child's Play 2? Of course. Of yeah. course. Uh, Chucky, terrified of him, but I love the horror genre. So I've seen probably way too many Chucky movies. Have you seen all of them? Um, man, Did I've you even see that seen new one. Not the newest one, but I saw like Bride yeah. of Chucky, Seed of Chucky. That was I think creepy. those I missed out. Really? That was pretty creepy. Redman, I think, is in Bride of Chucky. So oh, that's, okay. well, that's a little indicator. Th- th- that makes it scary. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Redman. No Method Man in that one, huh? I don't know if it was Redman or Method Man. I can't remember. Oh, it could have been One Method of those Man. guys. Yeah, you know, it's either one or the other. Okay. Um, how about Home Alone? Of course. Of yeah. course. Uh, Quintessential Predator 90s movie. Two. Ooh. Yes. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can we pause on Predator 2? One of my all time okay. favorite movies ever, hands down. Really? Yeah, part you are two one over ugly one. motherfucker. Yeah, I like yeah. part two better than part one, actually. I mean, I dig part one a lot, but part two, I love like how they go into some of the more um, predator elements. Like, you see more of what makes a predator and like all this crazy, awesome stuff that he has. Like, when he gets hurt, when he's got like his mm. little med kit, I think that's probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. And it just shows like in their ship, it shows more predators, like their hierarchy system. Danny Glover, um, it, cool. I think getting he's, he's funny. Shit. Yeah, he's getting too old for this <laughs> shit. But he survives, you know? So. 
the little medical kit that you're talking about is that the the scene where he's like in the bathroom yeah. and uses like the uh, it's like sheet this rock blue and stuff stuff or... and yeah, yeah he like breaks up plaster hmm. and he's like screaming and putting this stuff on him it's yeah yeah i would say they they definitely did it differently in part two but i, I want to say he kind of did something in part one too M maybe not to that extent like maybe he had a, something like a needle that he injected his wound or something probably yeah but, um I don't know. That that that'd be a good debate between one and two, but it's kinda hard to uh to I don't know, the OG Predator is pretty good and got a lot of one liners too. Of course. Yeah. I mean they the actors they have it, it can't get past one liners. So you yeah, gotta just yeah, yeah one liners galore for sure. Yeah, I mean uh, awesome series. I've seen every single Predator movie. I'm so stoked for the new one to come out. I, I can't um can't get over though how I felt in Predator 2. Like me and my grandma, I'm just sitting in her living room, little kid watching this and just blown away. I love it. He's, I mean, the Predator is probably one of my favorite movie characters ever. Mm. You know, I, I don't remember the AVP movies very much at all. There was two of them, right? AVP and then AVP yeah. Requiem. Requ yeah. So I don't remember those very much, but I actually didn't mind the, the Robert Rodriguez Predators. With uh, Adam Brody or Adrian Brody. Adrian yeah. Brody, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, Topher Grace and, and company. I thought that was okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, spoiler on that one. Topher Grace did not really see that one coming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I, I forgot where I heard it. It was it was on a podcast, and they did see that coming. And I forgot their explanation, but it made sense. You know, um I forgot what it was, but uh, yeah, I'll have to go back and watch it again because yeah, I, I, I watched it. I, I was okay with it. I think the problem the the podcasters also had was Adrian Brody being your lead, which you know it's fine. He's the yeah. pianist. Uh, and he, uh, I guess speaking of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Kindergarten Cop also came out actually the week after uh, Edward Scissorhands. Holy wow! And if you haven't seen that, I don't know what you're doing with your life. So <laughs> yeah, a quintessential '90s you know kid movie. Uh, filmed in Astoria, Oregon, so shout out Oregon. There you go. And also a movie that did not exist, The Godfather Part 3. Godfather. God... <laughs> <laughs> that one too. Uh, the Godfather Part 3 um, came out, if you want to call that something. And on Christmas Day. Funny. <laughs> uh, that's on my list of shame. I haven't seen any of the Godfather movies. Oh, well, again, the third one doesn't exist, so just watch the first two. Alright, there we go. Yeah. And for the, the okay, so the songs, the number one song at the time of this release, tell me if you know it, Stevie B's Because I Love You. No. Maybe, well, maybe because if I heard it. Because I love you, I'll be right by your side. Something, something, I, I forget, I don't know. It's really slow. It's also called The Postman Song because it's about uh, a letter. No, I've never heard it. Sad mm, face. You, have you heard of Stevie B? No. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, 90, I was, what, four? Three four, or four? Okay. So. I was seven. <laughs> so Stevie B is, like, really huge in the, um, and I don't know if this is the official name of the genre, but it's considered freestyle music. You know, your dance music, upbeat, synthesizers and stuff like that. Uh, one of his biggest songs is like Spring Love and In Your Eyes. So 
Uh, yeah, maybe it was just like a type of music you just n- never really got into. So, well, when I was little, my mom made me listen to country, and then my stepdad was like all heavy metal and stuff. So I didn't really okay. get into my '90s dance craze until probably, you know, I would say middle school. So mm, when I could actually listen to my own music and not just theirs. Yeah, I might have to throw some uh, recommendations and see if you uh, dig any of it. But the type of music Stevie B does, you've you've heard it all before. Um, you know, like uh, for example, I know Jay's version of "Time After Time." It well, mm-hmm. I guess that that's not a very good comparison because that's more mid to late '90s. So they changed that type of music. So it's kind of like that, not really. And the number one song that preceded it was Whitney Houston's "I'm Your Baby Tonight." Huh. I so don't just know if title, I've even heard that one. Yeah, the title doesn't ring a bell to me. And it was only number one for a week. So it just might be one of those songs that weren't as big. That was for her. It was um, like, oh, Whitney, but then it didn't have anything backing it. So people dropped it off. Yeah. And you know what? This very same year, I'm just going back a little bit. Uh, I usually don't do this. But um, you you also have Blaze of Glory. That was number one for a week this same year. Uh, you got Ice Ice Baby. That was number one for a week this year. A week? That's it? Just a week, yeah. Uh, Step by Step by New Kids was number one for three weeks. So, and uh, Wilson Phillips, Hold On, was uh, number one for a week. I like that song. Yeah, so just a, a very interesting year. Tommy Page, I'll Be Your Everything, number one for a week. So, so pop was definitely starting to come in um, around this time. Hmm, interesting. Okay, so Edward Scissorhands. Uh, you mentioned that you are a, uh, a fan of Tim Burton. Super fan. Super fan Super of Tim Burton. Fan. I mean, oh, I don't okay. go nuts and like do cosplay and like have my house decorated <laughs> or anything. But, I mean, as so far as movies go, yeah, I'll watch, I'll watch anything Tim Burton's attached to, really. So do you have a history with this movie? I do, yeah. I mean, I have some pretty early memories. Um, Obviously, I was like four, I think, when this movie came out. Um, My mom babysat some older kids in the morning before they got on the school bus. And I remember them watching this movie. And I have some really vivid memories of actually seeing this on the TV because my mom, you know, really didn't want me to watch it, I don't think, yet. Um, kind of disturbing. So I was sneaking same, same way I saw the Predator movies, <laughs> sneaking <laughs> down the hallway trying to watch this. Um, so I think because I wasn't supposed to be doing it and the older kids were doing it and I was so intrigued by what was going on, it really sticks out in my memory. So this is one where I have some kind of nostalgia factor uh, linked into it as well. And in a lot of memories that go back to it, there's a lot of things in this movie I, I did my rewatch with uh, Kevin Old uh, Optimus Solo there, and he's like, "Do you remember? Do you remember this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I remember like this whole movie." So, my notes, um, I've, I'm kind of like you. I think that some things I kind of skipped over because it, it's just kind of old hat almost. I want to say like it's something that you remember, but other things I'm like, okay, well, this is, gives me a little bit different of a feel now that I'm an adult. So, um, as far as Tim Burton goes, I think this is. I mean, it shows him all over the place and you can see his elements in everything that he does. And this is definitely one of the quintessential go-tos if you want to see some Tim Burton stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my history, I I don't know this for sure, but I think I saw this in the movie theater. Uh, I, 
Batman 1989 was my first movie in the theaters. Wow. And um and this was what the year after and let me see Back to the Future 2 came out in 89 which I saw in theater and then Back to the Future 3 I saw in theater which was uh, 91. So I'm pretty sure I saw this in theater just because like well cuz I was thinking was I too young but if I was watching other movies around this time anyway um I probably did and I feel like it might've been my might have been one of those movies that I was a tag along, you know, with like one of my aunts, you know, who went on a date kind of thing. Because uh, <laughs> I don't think this was like a movie I saw like the trailer for and was like, wow, that, that that looks pretty good. But do you remember the trailer as a kid, though? Like, I don't know if you went back recently to watch the trailer, but but do you remember as a kid, like any, anything that stood out? No, I don't remember the trailer and I didn't go back to look. Um, I, yeah. I do like to go back and watch old trailers. Um, especially when you, like way back in the day when you were still able to just pop that, you know, cassette back in the, the VCR mm-hmm. there and see those old previews. But no, I don't remember this one at all. I I didn't go back and watch the trailer, but the, the two things that I remembered in the trailer that, you know, uh, I might have talked to the other kids in school about like, oh, hey, like this scene kind of thing. But it was one when um, uh, Peg was driving Edward back into town for the first time. And he was like looking, um, you know, around the neighborhood or whatever. And then he, I don't know if he tried to stick his head out the out the window or something, then hit his head, mm-hmm. like trying to do that. I remember that that was in the trailer. And then the other thing that was in the trailer was the the um, show and tell scene, where he does, <laughs> yeah, the the paper people, whatever they're called. I don't the paper don't chain of people, yeah. Yeah, that. So I remember that, and uh, oh, and also they cut in the the scene where he does the little flashing of his um, hands to the kids and they all like sit back really fast. <laughs> so that was part of the trailer. So that was pretty much it. Um, as a kid, you know, I didn't know who Tim Burton was. I didn't know it was the same guy who directed Batman. Um, but I guess kind of growing up, like anytime it was on TV, I'd check it out. Uh, I do own this. And I think I bought this like a really long time ago because I have the full screen version. <laughs> Which like any cinephile would, um, you know, would uh, kind of shun like that's that's not a thing you buy anymore. You know, it's either Blu-ray or just widescreen DVD. Yeah, we um, got the Blu-ray. We hooked it up with the Blu-ray. Yeah, you know, I I've been seeing it like at uh, at Best Buy, and um, it's one of those things. I'm like, I know I eventually want to replace it with the Blu-ray, but I don't know. Maybe I'm waiting for the price to go down more. I I don't know. I don't know what it is. But um, at least the the DVD version I do have has some special features, which I didn't get a chance to check out. Um, But the cast. So we mentioned Tim Burton directed it. Uh, Johnny Depp's um, first time working with him here as Edward uh, Scissorhands. Uh, We got the Bog family. Uh, Kim is played by Winona Ryder. Uh, Alan Arkin plays the dad, Bill. Uh, Diane Wiest, I think that's how you say her last name, uh, plays Peg, the mom. Uh, Robert Oliveri is Kevin, the brother. You got Anthony Michael Hall, which I didn't know that was him when I first watched the movie because he looked completely different from like weird science and everything. Uh, he <laughs> grown plays, up a little bit. Grown up a little bit and got some muscles. Beefed uh, out, definitely. Beefed out, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So he plays Jim. Uh, Kathy Baker plays Joyce, kind of the neighborhood, what do you want to call her? Uh, Adult trollop, <laughs> a little little heifer. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. She's she's definitely uh, trying to get in everybody's pants. She's um, scandalous by definition. 
is, is she is she married like I, I i don't know if i missed that like her husband's always out or is she just that's like, the thing widow, all or... of the husbands are gone during the day so i They're i go in to assume that everybody's married there and okay. you don't really see some of the other ladies you don't really see their husbands you just see all these ladies because the husbands are like i'm getting the hell out of here i mean like the sun comes up and they're gone saturdays too they're they're grabbing their golf bags and they're they're vacating and i think it was really hilarious that um they played up suburbia the way they did here and kind of yeah. showed it was almost like what like the 50s or something like that it was very 50s 60s it was kind of like stereotypical a little yeah bit. yeah except so. for all the houses were like just one color there was no two-toned like colored house at all it's like some weird pastels everywhere pink and yellow and green and yeah it was like it was like painted by gap you know <laughs> there was a <laughs> banana like republic your yeah. neighborhood brought to you by banana yeah. republic uh, and the other person I want to uh, mention is Mr. Vincent Price, who plays uh, the inventor, uh, basically Edward's father. Um, l- let's talk about the town. You, uh, I guess you kind of touched on it, uh, you know, the look of it. it. It's all, you know, pastel-like. Edward is uh, dressed in black. Well, what is he? I mean, they don't ever really come right out and say it, but is he a robot? Is Is that what we're saying here, an artificial Human I mean, he, he bleeds and stuff, though. I mean, you're right. But the whole thing right. is like, what about his body? Because when you see him, even when he puts on clothes, he puts on clothes on the outside of his like bondage Leather. outfit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bondage outfit. Yeah, he's even got like a collar and like all these loops, and I, I, that's probably probably to like you know change or whatever. But he never takes it off. Does he shower with? You know, like, what does he do with that? Does but he have genitalia? <clears throat> yeah, is he a Ken doll? I don't know. I don't know. But he's got to have a heart. He's got feelings. He has emotions. He loves, obviously. Um, the funny thing is the inventor, he's dressed up like fucking Hugh Hefner. He's got like a smoking jacket <laughs> on and a cravat. But then he's putting his creation in this like weird gothic, um, you know, Leatherman oh, outfit. Yeah, it's <laughs> a little s and here. Fantasy. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't get that. I don't know what he is. And I think my biggest question is how do his hands work? You know, like, mm. how is that possible? That was my, the always my thing. of it. Yeah. Yeah. But you're looking, I mean, he was being put together by the inventor. And before he was even all the way together, the inventor was teaching him, like, etiquette and culturing him with, like, poetry and stuff. So I, that was a really weird thing. Like, I didn't know what the hell it was. If he was, like, animatronic or, or what. But, I mean, he obviously bleeds. He's got cuts and scars. So he's got some kind of tissue. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what he is. It's, I think the face is, like, the the weirdest. I mean, like, because there's the one part. I mean, you just talked about it where um, the inventor is, you know, re- reading him poems and, and things like that. And we see Edward and his, like, his body parts aren't even put together yet. Yeah, he's, you like, know, chilling his, there next to his legs. Yeah, exactly. His legs are just like laying there next to him, and he's, um, you know, his face moves. Like I don't know. Like if you detach his his hands, do they still snip? And <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It's yeah. I don't understand the mechanics of Edward Scissorhands. So, um, and I know that Jim, uh, again Anthony Michael Hall, he has a dropped line that he's not even human. You know, he says that. And but in in my mind, I was like, so what the fuck is he? Like, I want to write down a note so I could talk about it. But uh, yeah, so some people don't I, even see people that are like cashiers as human, though. I mean, this guy Anthony Michael Hall's character seems like he would be one of those "I'm above you" kind of people who don't even see people who do service work as human. So that could be. 
you know, ambiguous too. But as far as like what we're seeing of Edward is conflicted. It, this goes into um, Tim Burton's later work with um, A Nightmare Before Christmas. Like that inventor makes creations too. He makes Sally. And Sally is stuffed with like leaves and crap and sewn together, but it's like actual body parts. You know what I mean? Right. So Tim Burton must have some weird thing about making your companion. Like, <laughs> I don't yeah. know what that's all about. You know, one of the uh, one of his um, Vincent Price, that inventor, his one of his actual inventions kind of looked like the inventor from Nightmare Before Christmas, like mm-hmm. the shape of his of his head and everything too. So. Um, yeah, you, you get, I mean, you, you mentioned it earlier as well, like Tim Burton, like this is like him all over the movie, you know, uh, collaborating with uh, Danny Elfman again, as usual. Um, but yeah, it's a very gothic look uh, inside the inventor's home. That's a stark comparison. If you look at the town, and then all of a sudden, at the end of their fucking cul-de-sac, there's this huge scary mountain with this castle, and everything is bright colors, so many colors, like their makeup, their hair, their clothes, their house, everything. And then you get to the mountain and it's black and gray and you go into the castle and it's all black and gray, just like um, Edward. So I think it's it's such um, like a smack in the face and it's really laid out there for you that when Edward gets to the town, he is different and he is not mm-hmm. going to fit in. I think that's, you know, that's that's evident right away. And also, I think Tim Burton has a thing about, like, miniature towns. Did you see, like, we were getting the, the span of town, and it's one of those little miniatures, like, from Beetlejuice. He's got mm-hmm. the whole town set up in this, these little miniatures. And he does that again here, or, you know, first here, probably, I would say. So I think that's that's another one of those little brushstrokes. That's how you get to see the layout. And then the, the stark smack in the face of this huge diabolical mountain that, <laughs> that there's a castle on that some creepy guy's living in. I, I want to ask you, the the inventor, what what does he, we see, like, his inventions make, like, cookies and stuff. So is he kind of like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory kind of guy here? Is that he, he makes cookies for, uh, he's a cookie manufacturer? What, what, what is he? What's his job up there? That's the thing. I was like, oh, <laughs> I have in my notes, the inventor, what did this dude make? Like, what is he actually up there doing? And how is he, like, you know, living, really? Because, I mean... He's making this machine that cuts out and makes cookies, but you don't really see what else he's got going on up there. Like, how does this guy have money to make a a, a scissor hand person? Like, what is mm-hmm. he doing up there? Is he is he famous for something? Is he just like old and retired and lonely now and just inventing things and not really putting out anything that's actually worth anything anymore? It's all for him because I mean that that invention seems. Like something just for him. Like anybody can make cookies. Right. I um, I do know that uh, Vincent Price, his role was supposed to be uh, a little bit bigger than it actually was. But he was, you know, clearly ill uh, and was unable to perform a lot of his scenes. And, uh, you know, he did pass away shortly after this. This was his last appearance in the movie. And so I wonder if like the stuff that he wasn't able to do kind of explain his character more. I mean, that's gotta make sense i, I think, yeah i, think. I would assume so, yeah so i i'd like to see like um maybe if i could read up an article and see if we can find out anything more about the inventor but um but it, it it's fine you know the, the stuff we get it's all in flashback anyway but um 
What, what do you think? Okay, so when we first start off the movie, we we meet Peg uh, again, who's the mom of the uh, the Boggs family. Is it yeah, Boggs with an S, uh, and she works for Avon. So I guess every, I guess there's a season for it. But um, when the season comes, she goes around her own neighborhood and tries to sell cosmetics, and she doesn't look to be very successful. Um, I don't know how long she's been doing this. Probably a while, because it seems like everybody already has told her no several times, but she still keeps coming back. But the Avon lady struggle is apparently real. Like, she is not is. getting that pink Cadillac anytime soon. But, I mean, <laughs> obviously you need to branch out your, your sales network there, lady, but she, she's still trying. And then she goes to the castle, which I guess is the first time she's like, you know what, I'm going to try something different for once. So... Like, I don't know how long she's been living in this house, how long she's been trying to sell Avon to her neighbors. But then this off chance, she was like, you know, let me go try this abandoned uh, mansion up on the hill. So she goes up there. It looks weird. But then when she gets closer, she notices like all these, you know, hedges are trimmed all nicely and stuff. And um, I don't know who's watering the grass, but hey, whatever. So... (laughs) She goes in and meets Edward. What would you think about uh, their encounter? Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> this castle looks like something straight from his animated work, and just right on the big screen. So anything that you're looking at that, that remotely gets the, the creeps for a feeling when you're, when you're strolling up there, I don't know if you're going to be selling me Avon. But she makes the choice to just... And this bitch just runs up in these people's house. Like, yeah. Avon calling, and she just runs up in there. Like, that is probably the last place you want to be like, well, the door is open. And she's, like, running through the house, up the stairs, like, yelling for people. Because that happens. But, I mean, you gotta gotta make your sales, you know? So she was, <laughs> she was on the grind. She was on the Avon hustle. She's no fear. But I mean, she's she's like a mom in in a lot of movies back then, wasn't she? She's like the mom in yeah. Lost Boys and stuff too. I, so I mean, yeah, I think I, you're right. Yeah, I was like, no fear, lady, just go for it. And then she's like, why are you hiding back there in the freaking shadows? Uh, she should have been way more freaked out than she was, way sooner than she was. Yeah. And this that's like when you first see Edward and you see like or like put together all the way and and in his own and not with the inventor and you can see you know the this kind of squalor he's living in and she sees that too and i think that's probably when she just kind of the mom gene kicks in she's like i mean i gotta take care of this guy but at first she's a little freaked out she's like i think i'm just gonna go but i, I would have been a lot more freaked out beforehand and i don't know if i would have been in like the a lost puppy mode to take care of it at that point but that's also when i noticed like his creepy bondage thing going on and his no eyebrows and his purple lips and um not the best hair considering his scissors abilities i'm going to point that out there he never takes Mm. care of his own weave it's always other people's well does he have a mirror there because when he sees himself at the boggs family he's kind of like you know checking out his face and stuff so maybe maybe he's never really quite seen what he looks like i don't think he's ever had the need to because he's never seen really other people to to understand that everybody looks kind of different, you know, as far as like yeah. face to face goes. So maybe he's just realizing for the first time coming coming into the realization of what he looks like and how it's different from everybody else. And I guess also in his defense with his hair, like he doesn't even learn how to cut hair until like like halfway through the movie. I will still be like, this is in my face. I mean, every <laughs> four year old does it. So, yeah, yeah you're right about that. 
Uh, okay, all right. So uh, that's fair. I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> yeah, me. You know, he does say don't leave, and, and that's why you know she does decide to stay there. A couple of the names that I guess were thrown around. Uh, I guess um, the studios they wanted Tim Burton to meet with Tom Cruise. And yeah. I tried to picture him in that. And this is, you know, pre, you know, A Few Good Men, uh, a few years after Legend. So I could kind of see it. Uh, I think he'd pro- probably play the character more like his character from Legend, uh, I would think. And that might work. Um, Tom Hanks passed on the role. Tom Hanks, weird. Yeah. Now, I just watched Big at work last night. Okay. So <laughs> that that would have been like, what, two years before this, I think? And I know he was playing a kid, but that would have been really weird. Uh, He's to too tall and Hanks. like grown ass man looking. Yeah, yeah, it would have been it would have been really weird picturing him with that hair too. Um, Gary Oldman, <gasps> I think was was in talks. Um, I should have wrote these down. And I think there was one other that made me like really scratch my head. But you know, I I think. Um, I think Johnny Depp was, I, I don't want to say perfect for the role, but I can't see like these other guys. Oh, Jim Carrey. That was another name that uh, was like in consideration. I'm like, why? Like it would have changed the movie. And I couldn't see anybody else other than Tom Cruise be the, you know, um, basically the love interest for Winona Ryder. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, um, okay, so we'll go into them arriving into town. So we kind of talked a, a little bit about it, where um, they drive back to the neighborhood and all the all the women they they, they see uh, Peg, you know, driving through. And I, I guess you know you you just get to see like a small town, right? Uh, word travels fast. It's these gossiping ass housewives. They got nothing else to do but spy on the neighbors and know what everybody else is doing. And you see them like immediately responding like oh they saw somebody in her car like i mean it's immediately a huge issue and they haven't even seen what he looks like all the way yet they're like he wears the color black (laughs) (laughs) that's weird uh i I forgot to mention that i did kind of like how when uh, peg was going around like um trying to sell her products and i thought it was kind of a a really nice way to kind of introduce like all the neighbors too, like the ladies that Mm -hmm. we will be seeing uh, so we got to see a little bit of them. Uh, I didn't talk about Esmeralda as a character, but she's yeah. like the one oddball that lives in the in the neighborhood where she's like super. Is she super religious? Is that what we're calling her? She's, what, I called her the pious lady because like it's okay. not even just like she's religious; like she is devout. And girl, those teeth! Like you can love Jesus, but do something with that grill. Come on, yeah. You know, she kind of reminds me like a, a little bit like she could be related to uh, Bobby. Ooh. Bobby Boucher. From Boucher. The Water you Boy. Thank you. Yeah. Like related to his mom. You know, like, everything's the devil. You know, she sees Edward. Uh, Edward. Like he's the devil. So um, that lady, she's she's that person. I think that it really does do a good job of setting the tone as far as what we should be expecting from all these neighborhood ladies, though. And can we talk about how willing uh and trusting edward was of peg like just she's just like come with me and he's like okay i'm gonna leave everything i've ever known and go with you lady but i think he was so naive but also so starved for like just companionship too like he was Mm -hmm. made to be a companion for somebody and he wants 
to love people. He wants somebody to love him. He knows what that is. And he's been there alone so long. But I was a little thrown back. He's just like, okay, let's go. Like he just he just goes along with what everybody says. And this this shows the beginning of it. He's just like, yeah, let's do this. And is that yeah. is that from her kind of calming nature or is that just him being naive and needy? Um I, I would say naive, needy, I'm not so sure, because we don't know how long the inventor has been dead. So I think just the fact that him running into another person is, you know, kind of piquing interest. And you got to give her credit, like uh, the, the nurturing. I don't know if that comes off in this conversation with him, but I think it's her selling him on the Avon products. She's like, oh, your scars, I can take care of this. And he's just kind of like, hmm. You know, uh, maybe I will go with you. But I think that's it. It's just that he was lonely and just wanted to be with somebody. So he goes along with it. You know, so I think that's what it is. Just wanted the companionship. Um, what about when he gets to the house? Uh, one of my favorite scenes is him trying to put on some clothes that she gives him. Clearly, he doesn't put pants on one leg at a time. He's got skills. Yeah. How he gets dressed. Now, I was impressed. He, he definitely needed help with the uh, the button up shirt. He tried to put that over as a like a regular tee. <laughs> I think that um, it, it seemed unsafe for him to even have somebody like that come into your home. Like, yeah, sure, come in here and go ahead and go into my teenage daughter's room to change. We trust mm -hmm. you this much, even though I've just met you. Here's some stuff for you, and um, I love how he's always exploring things with his scissors and I don't even know if we as people would touch things we would just use our eyes but he is so much still like an infant almost where he has to touch things and explore things and he probes things with his scissors and um I, I love that I think it's it shows like his curious nature and and um it, it also sets up the the waterbed fiasco. I think it's a little bit of a foreshadowing here. Mm -hmm. um, before he starts in his uh, getting dressed skills, he doesn't know how to do that, but he seemed like he knows where each piece was supposed to go. So that, there's that for him. Yeah, you know, I the, the whole thing with the pictures, like I, I think it's just you know he's never seen something like that, but also all he's ever known was the inventor, you know, and so he's looking at this. Um, you know, pictures of the family. So he's he's interested, right? He doesn't know what this is. And then he sees a picture of, of Kim, which I got to say, I, I like Winona Ryder as a blonde. She looked all one color, though, this whole movie. Like, she should have done something with her. I mean, not wear, like, yellow and white and stuff. She was all mm. one color. That was the only thing I didn't like. And maybe just seeing her in you know, like Beetlejuice and, and other things so much where she always, she's always has the dark hair. I was just like, this just looks like a straight wig. I couldn't get over how fake her hair looked. Okay. Yeah. I, I can see that. Have you ever been to a house where like you looked at a lot of those pictures and like, like the people in the pictures you haven't yet met? Like I, I was, see the, the thing was I was able to, um, to kind of comprehend like may, maybe what he was processing in his mind i don't know because like uh my mom she remarried back in was it the mid 90s or something but anyway i had a, a step family and i went to go visit her in california one time and um 
my stepbrother and sister who've I, I talked to over the phone to get to know them, but never met in person. When I got to the house, they weren't home yet. And so I was kind of Edward in this scene. You know, I was walking around looking at like all the family pictures. I'm like, oh, they've done that. Oh, they've gone there. So I've kind of been there too. Have you ever had that experience at all? Yeah, I, I have a similar situation. My my dad remarried and um, he's, you know, a couple times. So he's had a, a couple new families and um when you go there, it's it's really odd because you have some kind of connection to them, but then to see that, you know, there's all these intimate pieces of their life that you aren't privy to, I think that's something that um, it comes with trying to make your your way into a part of a family that's already established. And I think that he he's just curious at this point. I don't think he has any intentions of being a part of this family, but I think this is where he starts to, to kind of latch on to them. Yeah. I don't know. I, I really liked it. So I, I think maybe because uh, I, I too have experienced something like that. So uh, yeah, I, I liked that scene. At this point too, like every woman in the neighborhood is like congregating out in the lawn and like all the, the men just start to arrive home. And then at that point they scatter like freaking cockroaches. They're like, Oh shit, we don't want <laughs> our husbands to, to see us, you know, gabbing around in the lawn. We haven't been cleaning all day or making our pies or whatever we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. But, Dinner time. Um, yeah. Get I think it's super ready. antiquated, super antiquated, but funny. And it, I mean, it worked. It was just, it was almost like a caricature of, of what life would be in suburbia. Yeah. Uh, we get a brief scene of like Edward having dinner with with the bog. So we get to meet Bill, the dad, and Kevin, the son. And you know, Kevin's staring as, as kids would. Um, so I, I kind of bought into that scene. I really like uh, Johnny Depp here. You know, doing physical comedy, trying to feed himself one pea. You know, using <laughs> his hands. Yeah, I I, I like this scene a lot. I think that um, it's probably one of my favorite scenes. Because, I don't know, it's just so comical, too. I mean, the husband is so accommodating, really. I mean, he doesn't question his wife. We don't have this scene where he's got her pulled away in the kitchen. He's like, what are you thinking? He's just like, so Edward. And he's it's just, that's the he word ca- that I can come with. Ed. Yeah, like, hey, Ed. Hey, yeah. yeah, I think he prefers <laughs> Edward. But uh, he's he's so accommodating and welcoming and the perfect host. And I think he seems genuine. And then Kevin, the son, after his staring bout, he's super accepting. This kid's not freaked out either. I mean, this guy's got, you know, scissor hands and is trying to eat one pea at a time. And the son is just like, he, he's super cool. And he's like, he could karate chop a guy's neck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, what if he karate chopped a guy's neck? And this is when he asks, can I bring him to show and tell? He's already excited to show everybody uh, Edward's skills. I think it's funny that you picked up um, the... You know, like how the dad is very welcoming, and I, I do agree with that. But like in my mind, I'm like, does Edward eat? Like, is this a thing that, uh, that does he need food? Because if does he needed he? Yeah. food, would the inventor not like make one of those like a spoon? You know, on his scissor <laughs> hand. You know, like yeah. But you never really see him. Like every time that they have a meal, he's struggling. And you don't yeah. ever really see him eating. Is he just going through the motions because that's what everybody else is doing? Or does he actually need that sustenance? Because what would he be living on, like, rats and shit in, in right. the castle by himself after the... And, and if he if he can survive without his legs being on, does he need um, those peas and carrots? Right. I think you're right. He's probably just, you know, being polite, right? So he does have some of that... Um... 
uh, characteristics. The only other thing is that we do see him drink. And so we will get there in a sec because I, I have some more questions there. Yes. Um, in, uh, shortly after this, we, we do see him, you know, trimming the hedges and, and the bushes uh, uh, on the, you know, the Boggs family or the, the Boggs property. And uh, that's when I, I guess he starts going around and doing this for all the other ladies as well. You know, so they're kind of using him as the, the neighborhood landscaper, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the free, free lawn boy, basically yeah. here. Um, what about Peg's attempts at making his face look normal? I thought that was hilarious. And he's just, the sounds that he makes when he's, you know, with her too. And she's like, yeah, mm, and then he's, he, he immediately mm, does it right back and just kind of enjoying it. And, and I think he's starting to understand, you know, what she's doing too, to try to make him look normal and he wants to be normal he wants to fit in he wants to look like this family that he's with and he he's realizing what his face looks like and it was just so funny seeing her like put this like spackle and cream all this like purple crap on his face and stuff she, like, and slaps it on his face <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, thought I thought that was, that was pretty funny, funny. uh doesn't he like kind of uh no, doesn't she nod and he mimics that too Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was cute. This is where, I think this is when um, the neighborhood ladies are like, you know, they've already tried to call her several times. They're not getting much from her on the phone. And so they all come over and kind of force this barbecue to happen. So they can meet Edward. So they can meet Edward. Yeah. And do you remember what happens during the flashback? I have, uh, what is the inventor up to? He's almost got this Geppetto feel. And I think that is when it shows him kind of reading to Edward and him sitting there with his body parts sitting sitting back. Yeah, isn't the book he's reading, a Pinocchio book? No, it's some kind of, um, some poetry. Okay, because I've always thought, you know, I've always... Um had like the thought of like the the whole Pinocchio story like in the back of my mind too so I don't know if that's just something I heard somewhere or does it happen in this movie where I'm trying to think like where am I getting that I I just had that feel because he wanted a real boy he wanted a son he wanted a companion he wanted somebody to love and love him back and he wanted to raise this person just like Geppetto did with Pinocchio that's just the feel I got but in this barbecue, he is bombarded by the whole neighborhood. And immediately, just like, you know, the Boggs, the whole neighborhood just accepts him. Mm-hmm. And he's the new shiny thing in the neighborhood. And even though he's weird and he's got scissors for hands, nobody questions him as far as, you know, is, is he up to, to no good? He's not, he's not the nefarious character here yet he's he's just loved and, and the men and the women both in the neighborhood are are very taken with him and they're they're all just as accommodating and accepting as as the box of it and i thought that was that was kind of odd to me but uh, as far as like what this neighborhood would be you would think that they would have this whole no outsiders kind of thing but i think these these housewives are just so freaking bored and their life is just so mundane that they're they're just like yes something new and something exciting yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, you would think that there's some kind of 
like uh like history or some kind of myth with the castle right like oh hey he came from the castle and then somebody would question it we only get esmeralda is the only one that's the the one that's on the outside looking in like oh you guys um you know he's you know he's a spawn of satan and and all these things so she's raiding yeah. the pitchforks and, and torches and stuff by herself yeah she's the the one woman army um yeah, I would have liked to see something like that. At least one family rather than just one character, you know, that's kind of against it. Like, I don't know. It sounds like a bad idea, you know, you know, the things that we've heard of, you know, coming from that castle. Like, we don't get that backstory, but you're right. I think everyone being too accepting of him it isn't bothersome, but it's kind of questionable, you know. Like, um, but I guess you kind of mentioned it. The the wives' lives are just so boring. All they do is just talk to one another and this new guy uh, who is something completely different than what they're used to is kind of like the, you know, the new talk of the town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And can we can we talk about the biggest freaking bite of ambrosia salad ever? Like, what the hell? That was icky <laughs> and weird. And then they were all kind of just force-feeding him and trying to win, like, his favor. Like, they were all trying to be on on the in crowd with edward i thought that was kind of funny like it was almost like he was the cool kid right but i did get this kind of like flash to um jim carrey as the grinch when okay. it's the jubilation and they're all just like force feeding him like fudge and stuff and i felt like i'm like wow i've kind of seen this before but what is that from and uh i, I think that a funny super funny moment and a part that i loved like right after this when he's manning the grill and then the dad comes over and uh he's like soups on everybody and he holds up Edward's hands, but it's, you know, kebabs and Edward's, I thought they were shish kebabs, <laughs> but I don't know. It was just so funny how he said it because he had his mouthful of all this uh, salad and stuff. I thought they were shish kebabs. I can't even do it because I don't have food in my mouth, but right. that was probably one of the lines that stuck out the most for me. And I loved it. It was funny. He's so literal. Um, he doesn't know all these little you know these little quips or whatever that people come come with, and although that was super cute too. He's like uh, like Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, you know, nothing would go over my head. My reflexes no. are too fast. I would catch it. Yeah, it's a great line. You know, I, I did okay. So shish kebab, I didn't know what that was when I was a kid. So I think the first time I watched it, I didn't quite understand it, so it didn't hit with me. So I don't know how much like uh, how. Much long after the, you know, I saw the movie where I learned what a shish kebab is and then got it. So, <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying, but um, yeah, I, I just remember as a kid, I was just like, "What? What the hell is he saying?" And that didn't help too because he did have food in his mouth. Um, you know, subtitles didn't come uh, come along till way way later anyway. <laughs> uh, so, so now we get uh, Kim coming home. Yep. Oh, I think what we did miss in the inventor flashback scene. Um, I don't know if it was right after this or when. I think it might have been right after the shish kebabs. Also, they show when, you know, he's being assembled. It shows the inventor's plans for making Edward and what he plans to do as far as, like, evolving Edward into, like, a full person. And I thought that was some really, really cool artwork. And I thought it also was very sad to see that Edward was incomplete, Mm -hmm. and that the inventor passed away before he could really finish him and bring him to life in a full way. I thought that was kind of a heartbreaking scene. 
Yeah, I would have liked subtle, them to. But... F- yeah, it was very subtle. I would have liked them to focus that on more, uh, on that a little bit more. But I thought that was done very well. You know, this flashback that you're talking about. It's um, you know, there's like the the blueprints. Uh, I guess you can call it in in this um notepad of his, and it's over by the window, and like the windows like kind of blowing the pages. So you get to see like the evolution of how uh well as to what Edward would become like a like a a full man like wearing regular clothes too. So I wonder mm-hmm. how come he started with the bondage and and like his <laughs> his like end game would be like okay he'd be wearing like a three piece suit. But uh, I mean, you know, everybody's style evolves. I was yeah, I uh, definitely <laughs> right. wearing stirrup pants and stuff at this point. So I, I know that uh <laughs> you could you could be anywhere with your style. But uh, I thought that the way they did that, I thought that was kind of um, tasteful and cool, but it also tugged at your your heartstring a little bit to be like, hey, you know, he he's not complete. Yeah, I don't even think he was halfway there, you know, for all those pages that turned. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, again, that's why I I would have liked them to. Um, what if the mom ran into that book and she's flipping through the pages and she's like, oh my, you know, like every time she flips, it's just like something new, you know, like the next page would be the hands and then. I, I don't know. I I, I want to go back and, and look at those pages because there was a lot of them that flipped. Yeah. But then also like the neighborhood, like immediately they're like, hey, I know what doctor that can help you. How many times did you hear that? I know a doctor that can help you with your hands. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even when it's thrown out there, Edward doesn't fully pursue it. He's not going back to that person that's like, hey, can I, you know, can we get in touch with this doctor? He's just... Go along, going along with his life with his scissor hands. And you see that he wants hands. Yeah, he doesn't have the gumption enough to go out there and actually do something about it. He's he's trying to change his life, but everybody else around him is the ones are the ones who are facilitating it. As mm-hmm. far as like, hey, you should go out and do these, you know, lawns. You should continue cutting hair. You should be charging for this. Let's open a salon. Let's do this. Let's go to the bank, blah, blah, blah. Everybody else is kind of telling him what to do at this point, so he's just going along with it. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I didn't see it that way, but that's a very good question. If is is that what he wants? Does he want these things? And I guess we don't know that at this point. You know, uh, I think later on, you know, we we do know that he, he does indeed want the hands. But um, but yeah, Edward, why why are you saying that uh, you'd like to see this doctor? And does he want? real hands at this point. I think maybe too, he might have bad feelings attached to them because you get this flashback of when the inventor dies and it's Mm -hmm. at the point where he's showing Edward his hands. And then when Edward's scissors go through the hands and, um, the, the inventor dies, maybe he sees that as something bad. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Maybe he's got some bad emotions tied to that at this point. Right. He associated that with the death of his his father, basically. Mm -hmm. So maybe, yeah. So so maybe he, I don't know. Uh, He's just being too polite here. And I guess that's something that we do learn about his character. He's just very, um, I guess, the the weird thing is like he's got a heart and clearly he has a brain because he can think. But I don't know. I I guess that kind of explains like him not being fully complete. You know, like uh, the etiquette that he learned and the mannerisms and things like that. Uh, he just wasn't quite all there. So I guess the lesson, all, all he's ever known was, I'm trying to figure out how to put this into words, but, you know. He's just cause... known that's that pain and suffering lately. So he doesn't know how to get past that and actually 
you know, love in the right ways. Yeah, I guess like actually now reviewing it, it's um, trying to analyze his character. It's a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Um, because Especially like, with somebody who doesn't say a lot throughout the whole thing. He doesn't have a whole lot of lines, but you see his struggle and all this emotion and you see things kind of play on his face very subtly to try to, you know, sit and, and analyze what he's, he's actually thinking and feeling when he's not emoting. You know, I think one of the trivia was that he only had like 169 words in the movie, you know, so, some like low like that, but yeah, he, I mean, he, he doesn't have any sentences. I mean, they're all just like one-liners, you mm -hmm. know? Well, let's get into then um, stuff he does for love here and when um he gets roped into this plan for kim before we get there i see this i wanted to bring this up so when kim comes home he's sleeping in her room and then he frightens her uh and then the parents are like oops my bad for putting him in the room and then the dad pulls out like one of those uh what are they called the the the, the beds that fold out of the um food not a food pullout couch yeah is it is just it's a, a sofa couch? sleeper yeah, one of those. Like, why didn't you put him on that already? Uh, cause, <laughs> yeah. Like, were you not... Ex like, I guess they came home early. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know, but still. But why'd you put him in Kim's room anyway? And then, like, the uh, Bill takes him down to, like, to the bar area. And then they have a drink. So, how does that work? How how was Edward... I, I don't think he was drunk, but clearly the alcohol had some effect on him. Oh, if I did a whiskey shooter like that, I would probably be laying on the floor <laughs> making some funny noises, too. But we don't know how his anatomy works. Like, does he have, like, a stomach, you know? And I mean, I guess he does because he throws up later on, like, to the thought of lemonade. Uh, so. so, yeah, he's got some kind of digestive stuff going on. But, like, how does yes. he pee, dude? Like, I, how I does he pee know. and he's stuff? He's a cat dog, I guess. I mean... Does he have um, like a zipper? Is that what all those little hooks are for? But could I don't be, but, uh, but how do you use your scissor hands to, like, unzip? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. And if he did have something, he may not have it anymore because <laughs> oh, tell gosh. you, it'd be tough aiming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, that, his reaction to that whiskey, that's something definitely memorable. Um, and the dad just giving him the straw, that, that was perfect. I like that because, you know, clearly uh, Edward was struggling trying to uh, grasp the glass there. Okay, so yeah, let's let's talk about the, the, the things that he would do for love. So Jim, um, which I thought this was really cheesy jim and kim they rhyme but anyway uh so jim is jealous i guess of edward for no reason um feels threatened maybe that this is just some weird freak you know that uh it's i don't know i don't, I don't even think jim's oh yeah he's from the area because they, they, they live right by but um yeah they they he decides to set up edward and he tells kim Hey, you know, let's uh, let's have him break in this uh, my parents' house so we can steal some things and sell it to get our own van. They just want a shagging wagon. That's all they want. That That's would make it. Them happy you know, in life. something big enough to throw a mattress in the back is what he says. Jeez, it's like this real rapey van that they already hang out in, like flames on it and stuff. Like, no good, dude. They want another one. You know, you got to have two. I guess I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, Kim, she knows that it's wrong, yet she, she asks Edward to help them out anyway, because there's an earlier scene when they're locked out of the house, and then Edward, like, unlocks the door for them without a scratch at all, which I'm like, yeah, sure, okay. Um, but yeah, he does it, they get caught, because Jim locks them up in this high-security living room of theirs. 
I don't know. know about that. That was pretty weird. They have like the most high tech security on just one room of their house. Uh, was there anything in particular that they were stealing? I I think I missed that. If if it was even said, I think he was gonna just steal. Like he they they told Edward that these people stole from his family, so I think his plan, Jim's plan, was to get them to steal all of like the you know VCR and TV Something and like sound equipment stuff that his dad yeah so they can kind of pawn that off. Yeah. Okay. So he gets arrested, um, and this this scene I don't know I don't remember if it was in the in the trailer, but it it really stuck out to me just because um, you know the alarm goes off and you know uh, Edward is allowed to come outside, and then you got the cops are like you know come out with your hands up, so he he's got his hands up, and you know this just speaks to his, his character. He's not trying to explain to the cops that these are his hands. You know the neighbors have to keep running. Uh, uh, running out to explain to the cops like no those are his hands and so yeah it, it was kind of sad you know he gets arrested and like he he is not gonna rat out you know on kim and jim and you know we find out later that he knew all along like he only did it because kim asked him to and i think it's funny that the parents blamed tv programs for edward's yeah. <laughs> attempted stealing and i think there's a cool um little moment that um they, he meets with the doctor at some point, and the doctor says that he's radically unequipped to cope, but he'll be just fine. Yeah, you like, know, uh, he, really? he was isolated he... the entire time he was up there. Yep. Yeah, so they release him, you know? Um... And this is where we, we get the first little meeting with a character that becomes important to Edward at the ending. Another cop. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, what what is the line that he tells him before he leaves? Um worried for edward you know I, I guess some kind of worry yeah he, it's whatever that the psychologist told him you know um just made him a little bit more concerned you know for edward's well-being so that was kind of nice i think for everybody involved really but you can see that the, the cop does have some kind of heart for edward and his his struggle here okay so let me see we talked about the the dinner learning right from wrong the um, ethics lesson yes yeah yeah now, so so the question is uh, that Bill poses to Edward. You are walking and you find a bag of money. What do you do? A, B, C, D. Uh, D was like return it to the cops. One of them was give it to the loved one. Do you remember the other two? Um, it was keep the money. I think for yourself. Keep the money for yourself. Give it to your loved ones or take it to the cops. Yeah, I feel like there was like a fourth one. But anyway, and he says give it to your loved one. What would you say? Man, that's kind of hard to to say. I mean, um, you you want to say that you would turn it into the cops, but you're like, hey, this is a whole suitcase full of money here. It's, that's my I guess question. It's all, like, it's how all... much money are we talking about? <laughs> that's yeah, my is question. there blood stains on this money? <laughs> right. Is there a dye pack in here? Can I just get away with this? If it's just a few hundred dollars, maybe a couple thousand, I'd probably turn it in now. We're talking like six figures. I might keep a little bit of that for myself. I'm putting that under a floorboard in my house. That's what yeah. I'm doing. I'll wait a few months. If it doesn't come on the news, you know, <laughs> yeah. carefully go through each stack. That I, I, I might just keep it. I think that they they come down a little hard on them, but not as... It's more like a tough love thing there. 
but it, it shows that he really just wants to please people and he wants to help people and his family and he wants to be part of this family and give them to your loved ones. It shows how much he he loves people, especially Kim and and the people that are nice to him really. And he just he he does have a big heart, I think. But the the neighborhood turns on him so fast. It's like a head spinning. And it's almost as fast as they you know, they accepted him. I mean, within, and immediately, it's like he's a pariah. I knew it from the beginning. I knew that he was up to no good. And, and I was just like, dude, you guys are, are super bogus. Like, how many, you know, things has he done for you in your entire neighborhood? Exactly. I I don't understand why no one took a second to say, well, that doesn't sound like Edward. You know, that's not the yeah. Edward we know. Like, nobody says that. And mm-hmm. I, I think uh, we probably, I think we missed a scene where... um. Uh, what was her face? Joyce with the redhead. Is that her name? Joyce with a salon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like she comes on to him, you know. Super that, hardcore. Yeah, yeah. That's some sort of pun in there, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, you know, he turns her down again. Like he's probably a Ken doll anyway, and she's super creepy. But then, but then I she was she... like, "You can't do that, Edward." Like, what? What does that mean? Like, you can't just walk out on me kind of thing. But then immediately she's acting as if, you know, Edward, like, did some some bad stuff to her. And they were on the phone. And they're like, oh, and the teenage daughter living right there in the house with what he did to me. And I I was just like, really? Really? I I think I hated her the most out of everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the implication that he raped her. I mean, come on, like, that is out of character. If you have spent any time with Edward, he's very shy, uh, at least at first, you know, and then uh, once he gets to know you, you know, he's a little bit more comfortable. But that that's the thing that pisses me off with, like, the neighbors. Like, nobody, like, takes a second to be like, that doesn't seem like the guy I just met, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, everyone's just so quick. And I, I guess, I don't know, is, does, does that show, like, how tight this neighborhood is that they just believe one another at face value i don't even think it's that i think they're just all so petty and bored that any kind of upstart they're gonna and they're gonna jump on a bandwagon immediately and just roll with it i don't even think it's because they they necessarily like each other i think it's just because they all want to be a part of that in click or whatever and i i think that the fit that he throws is well earned i mean He's like clawing curtains and walls and tearing up the wallpaper and towels and stuff. Like he throws an all out fit. So this shows that he is he's at his wit's end here. And he might not say anything, he might not be verbalizing that, but he's feeling. That's how he's emoting. And he just tears shit up. Yeah, yeah. Kind of wrecks a little havoc there in the neighborhood. I'm I'm like okay, so Gosh, I understand that he's kind of taking it out. I mean, is he taking it out on the neighbors? He destroys everything that he made. But the I think one at thing first is like, it's just in the house. This first time is the house. Why does he go and puncture like the tire of somebody's car? Like, because he's pissed off at them for turning on them. Like, I understand that, but like you know, I get the whole like cutting off the leg of like one of his like hedges that that he trimmed and. But it's like, why the car? I mean, we don't know whose car that was. That that could have been something, you know, like me. Yeah, that's it was... everybody. I think he's just, he's out and to to throw that fit, to, to release what he's doing and to, to lash out at them for the way that they're acting towards him. And he doesn't care specifics about specifics because it's everybody in the neighborhood. The only people that still have his back 
are basically it's basically just peg you know what yeah. i mean so he just is going out and he's like F- all you guys you know what i mean and i think it's cool too it shows like the clothes that he has they become more and more disheveled as mm-hmm. the movie goes on you can see like the wear and tear on it i think you know that that showed the deterioration of um the feel of his stay too and, and yeah. the good feelings that, that's going on here yeah i agree um what do you think about the, the the scene where he's like sculpting ice? Where did the ice come from? What, what, what was it for? Yeah, there's a scene towards the end too with those ice blocks, and I'm like, where the fuck is he getting all this ice? Who's delivering them? And especially, them? In, and they're like, it's like in California or something where they they're like stapling fake snow to their their roofs for Christmas. Like obviously, there's not you know a way for him to make this this. 20 foot ice sculpture or you know this ice block to make a sculpture from but i think that scene with winona Ryder is probably one of the most iconic when it comes to this movie yeah. it's something that you don't forget her twirling around in the snow and um he's basically creating the snow for her to dance under i think that i think the magical moment that they shared that really kind of made her see that she loved him too yeah, it's definitely one of those things where like every movie has like a certain moment, right? And so this this is it. I mean, you you just said it like um it's a very iconic scene and I don't think it's it's not on any poster or anything like that, but like when I think Edward Scissorhands, I I do think about either the uh you know the the cover box or this scene with her dancing, you know, in the snow. Um but yeah, it was fine. So like Jim comes out of nowhere and starts shouting, and that's what started like this whole like fit of rage, you know. And his stupid when... ass Charlie Brown shirt. Do you see that? It no, I like... didn't. <laughs> his shirt was, was like yellow? it looked like Charlie Brown shirt. Like it had some black stuff on it with his leather jacket to make him think that he's kind of the badass. I I think I can kind of see it, but no, I I didn't notice that off the bat. But I wonder if there was a reason. I'm sure there was a reason for that. This is this is when he the the confrontation happens. With him and Jim. And then in another one of Edward's fits, he accidentally cuts Kim. And then that's what really sets him off. That's when he goes into like, he's like trashing the bushes and tires. Mm-hmm. He even shreds off his clothes, like at this point. And he goes back to his, his bondage stuff there. He just was like, no, I'm done. This is it. And he, he shreds all, I would say, like any, any, facade that he had anything that he would been creating to to try to fit in now he's like fuck this and just annihilates his clothes and is like this is not where i belong i'm not gonna put up with this anymore no not happening and i don't remember the last time i saw this movie but this next scene i don't remember at all it's when peg and kim have a talk in the living room you know and she's talking about how like oh you know maybe this wasn't a good idea about bringing him down here he probably should just you know, go back, he'll be safer up there. So I don't remember this scene. Um, and I'm sure like maybe I saw it as a kid and just didn't think anything of it. But this is basically what gives Kim the idea, you know, to, to have him go back. So at, when I was younger, I never understood that. I was like, why did she do that? Um, but it was this talk with the mom. There's like some weight to that because Peg is feeling the consequences on her side as she didn't think well about as it. Edwards. Yeah. yeah. And I think... Here I kind of, I was a little pissed off at Peg because I was expecting her to be the one that did not back down and Mm -hmm. was like, no, we are here for Edward because she had been that up until this point. But then I think she just gets 
tired of the struggle or something. And she's, it seemed to me that she was more concerned about what had happened on their end, not necessarily what happened to Edward. And she kind of, you know, it's like, oh, you know, Edward too. But mainly it's about me and my family. And I can see that on one hand because you need to protect your family, you mm-hmm. know, first and foremost. But really what harm had he done to them? You know what I mean? Yeah, he had accidentally cut um, Kim in the hand at this point, maybe shredded some wallpaper. But that's almost like bringing a new puppy home. So I was a little upset that she was so quick to almost abandon Edward. But I do right. get that she was just looking out for her family's well-being here. So I was a little peeled, like, bitch, how are you going to do that to Edward? No, I, but, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, it's She was... I don't want to say she was too quick to turn because it does make sense. And, you know, if you listen to what she's saying, she didn't think about, you know, what harm it would do to Edward, to the family, and even to the neighbors. So I guess, like, the overall picture, it's everybody. Um, But you're right. It's something that I I guess, you know what, like, for us to watch the movie, be like, Peg, yeah, you know, you should kind of be, you brought him in and maybe you try to... um, try to work it out, you know, rather than give up so easily. Now, if it were us in her shoes, like we as people now, I mean, I think there are a lot of people that just be like, okay, now he's got to go. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I think I think I think we as people would probably give up just as easy if not easier, you know. Um Dude, we don't even pick up hitchhikers anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how far yeah. this would go. So, but 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 you're right. I mean, from what we know as Peg, she seemed pretty uh, stand up and like, I, I get where she was going, but I do agree that it was a little too easy for her to kind of be like, yeah, I think this is about it. But, you know, she probably knew that the movie was running a little long and <laughs> needed to help out. But, um, and, yeah, right. I, I think that it also, it's a, a turning point for Kim because she realizes that she loves him a little too late. Everybody else has already given up, and she's really the only one that's trying at this point. She knows that she's got to be the one to save him and and all this. But I think that it was a little fast to jump, like, oh, I love you kind of thing. And when she's like, hold me, and he's like, I can't. I was like, oh, my God. That that would have been, like, the tearjerker moment. Like, that that's hard. That's mm-hmm. sad. And you know that that hurts him to do that. Then we get the flashback with the hands, yeah, which we already mentioned. Yep. And him, uh in his bondage and stuff. But um, I think from from then, like, when um, the scene where Kevin needs saving, the, mm-hmm. the suspense and that definitely held up for me. I was like, oh, God. I even knew what was happening this time, and I still felt like, oh, is this guy going to get hurt? And he kind of does. I mean, when Edward's saving Kevin accidentally and hurting him, and, and, you know, others too, and... And I felt so bad for Edward in that moment. I wasn't even like, oh, shit, this kid's getting cut up. I was like, oh, shit, poor Edward. And it's probably awful. But I still felt for Edward in that moment. I don't think there's a point in this movie where you're not rooting for Edward, even if he's throwing fits and chopping um, hedge legs off. It's it's really hard not to sympathize with Edward because we are seeing everything from his point of view. You know, this is his story. I just don't understand. Like, I get the scene. It's very intense. And I'm just like, it's one of those things where you're just shouting at the movie and like, why won't somebody say something? Like, clearly that's not the intent. Now, the reason Edward saves Kevin is because he heard screeching from the van. He saw, like, one of his... Um, 
hedge structures, you know, falling over. So he knew something was coming. No other neighbor heard the van driving <laughs> all recklessly. Nobody else witnessed the van. They just happened to come out as Edward is attacking Kevin. That that's the part that bothered me. Um, mm-hmm. But I get it. You know, it's it's you, you. This is the type of movie where you got to check your brain in at the door. But mm-hmm. it's it's but but still, it's just like it pisses me off. You know, when somebody just won't say anything. Now, from Kevin's point of view, I I get it. He, maybe he didn't hear the tire screech. I don't know. But the the man with scissors as hands is on top of him, appearing to be attacking him. So I get he's not saying anything. But really, no other neighbors caught anything going on. And Jim, like, everyone thinks Jim's just a stand-up guy. Is Is that what everyone thinks? Apparently, yeah, and I think this is when the freaking mob mentality takes over too, and everybody's just like, "Oh hell no!" Now we're really out to get this dude, and before they 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 were out to get him already, so they were already on this this um, skewer Edward Warpath kind of thing, mm-hmm. and when um, Kim and um, Edward share this look, and she's like telling him to run, there's just so much weight to the, like the knowledge that flashes over his face really of what's you know the gravity of things mm-hmm. and you just you see that he learned so much about people in this little amount of time that he had with them it it's it's sad to to think that what he did take away from this wasn't anything um as positive as what it could have been i mean he he essentially has to not exist anymore, just like he was before. Nobody knew he even existed. So for him to have to go back to that same state as changed as he was by people is is kind of heartbreaking in itself. It is. This is where that cop played it super well, too. Like, he came in, and it shows that like he cared for Edward a little bit, too. Like, he was like, you know, just leave him alone kind of thing, get out of here. But then the cop just left. Like, he didn't make sure that the mob dispersed before leaving? Come on didn't now. Didn't lock up the gate or something. Put a no. police line up. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, this is definitely a story of, like, you know, we talked about, like, the Pinocchio comparisons. Now it's like Frankenstein's monster. You know, everybody's out to get him. Um, were, were they, though? I mean, I think they just wanted to see what was happening because it was mostly the women, I want to say, that was out there. I'm I'm trying to even think if any of the, the husbands came out. There were men, too, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so it so the fight continues over in the castle. Somehow, somehow Kim beats the mob. She, she found some kind of secret passage, uh, you know, to get inside the castle before, like, the mob got there. And uh, and then Jim appears out of nowhere, and then and then they uh, duke it out with the oh gosh the, the the look on Edward's face when he impales like Jim it it's still like I guess lack of a better word kind of haunting like just the look on Johnny Depp's face like yeah, yeah. It was, well it was Kim really tries to go scary. gangster too and like kill him with Edward's hands before Edward yeah can yeah just, she just do it himself right you know and th- this is like so weird because. Like, I guess we don't know too much about Kim and Jim's relationship, just except for that she just starts to get annoyed of him only when Edward came along. I bought that Edward loved Kim fully the whole Mm -hmm. time, but I'm not sure still why she decided to love him. 
That's mine. I was gonna save that for our rating. Like I don't buy her love for him. Um, no. Like you know, like it's sweet on film, like at face value. But like, why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nothing that uh, he has said to her, you know, that made her think like, oh, this is the one? Question mark. Like, what are you gonna do with this guy? If you guys were together, why do you love him? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I I don't buy that, but I do I do think what he feels for her is genuine because he he knows nothing else but compassion, I guess, for for another human being or I guess a human being. Um, yeah, I I thought it was kind of fine how the, this the death scene plays out. Jim, you know, f- falls out of the second floor, I guess, and he's he's dead. And then the the mob shows up, and then Kim goes down and is like, "Hey, look, they killed each other. Here's." His uh, his hand. Uh, you can go see for yourself. I, I think I would I would go see for myself. I don't know why anybody believed her. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I want to go up in that crazy looking house. Like you don't know yeah, what's going on. I guess you're right. I mean, I don't know what stopped them before from going into that house, and all of a sudden they they want to go up there now. Um, but yeah, like the cops, they don't like deem it uh, unsafe to go in there anymore. I don't know if it's like. What is going on? Um, I guess that's pretty much it. And then we end it with like, I guess we didn't even mention that the story was being told by an old lady, which, you know, I see, I'm starting to think that I did see this in the movie theater because I think, you know, like the way the beginning is shot, like you, like for us, you know, it's a movie that came out like over 20 years ago, 26 at this point. And we already know that that's Winona Ryder, an old age makeup. But I mm-hmm. think, you know, for first time watchers, you may not know it's her, though it sounds a lot like her. But the way it's shot, like clearly you're not supposed to know that was Kim, you know, um, telling her granddaughter the story of a of a man with scissors for hands. Which and is so, a super hardcore bedtime story. I don't yeah. Know be. Well, like, you know, like, died. I, yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. But like, it, it's it's all about the snow, right? Isn't that how the story started? Mm-hmm. You know, like, so so that's um, you're right, though, it is a bit of a grim story I, I don't know if she omitted like some of the some of the details that we saw in the movie but it ends with that and she basically says that yeah I know he's still up there because before he came down it never snowed and it only started snowing again when he went back up you know so she believes that he's still up there and the reason that she won't go visit him is because he she wants him to remember her as she was as as you know a teenager or whatever so i I thought that was kind of sweet but it's still kind of like like do you why did you love him kim i just don't i don't understand he wasn't even human yeah yeah it's it's kind of weird i mean i guess in contrast to to jim as a character like i can see that maybe you would like him more like jim was just like the crudest person in this movie i mean his language his actions total d-bag he was a, a freaking creep and he was super possessive and i mean we don't even know why she was with that guy so how are we yeah. supposed to understand how she loves edward but i think maybe she saw the purity in him the goodness in him um stuff substance that she didn't see with other people around her i mean it, it even shows um edward's like passion really i mean when he's given those dogs like the haircuts and then he kind of he gets done with that first dog and he steps back he does this like weird like thing with his hands and he's like admiring his work like he he takes pride in what he does really and he's got he's got a fire in him that doesn't really 
always come through. Maybe mm-hmm. she just saw past all that and and steps out of her own like sterile environment. Because if you look at, I mean, their house, there's hardly even anything on the walls. It's all very like whitewashed, and her her life is so you know structured and, and superficial, really. That maybe she saw depth to him. I, I don't know. I'm reaching there, but <laughs> that's what I saw. <laughs> No, um, the, I wanted to point out something that you just mentioned, like, uh, you know, when he does cut hair or whatever, he does that little look. I do like that. That's like uh, kind of a combination of like a, like a barber and somebody. Uh, an artist, know, really. An, yeah, an artist, you know, whether it's painting or sculpting or something, you know, when you think you're done, you just kind of look around real quick, like, did I get everything? You know, but just the way he does it is just so, um, is a little bit more loud, you know, and so it it, it is a nice, like, uh, physical thing that that Johnny Depp does, so I really do like that, and that's just another reason I think. Like, can I see Tom Cruise? Maybe like Tom Hanks? Like, could he? No. Like, I I can't imagine Tom Hanks playing that character. So he's just, that's just weird to me. But uh, there's one thing I guess to touch up on Jim a little bit more. One of my favorite lines is when they're watching uh, Edward on the talk show. And uh, Edward is asked, like, if he has a girlfriend or whatever. And, like, he leans over to the mic and touches the mic and shocks himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, like, you see him, like, compulsing on the ground. Like, okay, so he's got nerves all over his body, I guess. But Jim's like, oh, I'd give my left nut to see that again. You know, like, he wished yeah. that he, he was taping it. I thought that was a pretty funny line. He's got the crudest lines <laughs> out of anybody in this whole movie. Yeah. Do uh, you want to get into ratings? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, I I'll go first. Uh, this movie. Uh, well, I own it, so clearly I do uh, like the movie. Um, going back and watching it, I don't know when's the last time I actually seen it, but I think if I ever saw like on the TV guide that I was playing, I would actually just change to it and just see where it's at. Um, I still I still like this movie. I still enjoy it. There's a lot of like I guess now as podcasters going back and watching some of these movies, a lot of things kind of stick out. Made me question a lot of things. But um, I think this movie had a lot of good ideas. Execution, well, I don't know. Was this what Tim Burton's like third movie or something at this mm-hmm. point? You know, um, you know, I wouldn't want to see a remake or a sequel or anything like that. I think the movie is fine for what it is. Um, as as a you know, it's a good watch. Clearly, I have issues with like Kim loving him and things like that, but. I don't know. I think this movie is just so unique and so different. There's nothing else like it. I mean, um, you know, I don't want people to make that comparison. Like, Freddy Krueger's got knives for hands. Like, no, I'm I'm talking about, like, I don't know. It, it's like... The story itself, yeah. Just, yeah, the, the story. Like, I, I know we made comparisons to, like, Pinocchio. And then I made the one about, like, the Frankenstein monster at the end. But, you know, there's elements from other movies. But the story itself is very unique. Uh, and I think it's still definitely worth a watch. And I'm going to go i'm gonna go with a four four out of five uh on this one i think uh, i'm a little higher than you i'm gonna go with a six mm. just because um the rewatchability on this is you know through the roof i i can visit this probably not like every year or anything but i've i've revisited this movie several times i know that i will eventually watch this movie again and watching it as an adult being able to pick more stuff out of it and try to to feel your way through things the the way Edward is is actually really intriguing because there is a lot of depth to his character that is not 
not um, explicit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's more you know subtle, and you you have to try to gauge his emotions and and read his face and stuff. So that that's really cool. I, I like that subtlety. And like you though, I don't believe the love story, but uh, I think that for me. I kind of downplay that because it's not the most important thing in the story for me. Mine is is just his you know, interactions with people and and what those do to him and what those mean to him. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think I'm gonna give it a solid six. All right. Yeah, I you know, and that just kind of what what you were saying, like the you know, like um, trying to. I don't know if this would be a good character study. It could be. I mean, like uh, like earlier when we were talking about, um, you know, them questioning him, you know, like the, the ethics of right and wrong, you know, doing this for love and all of that. I was really like, you know, I, I didn't know how to answer it. And I, cause I didn't even think about it before, but when we came to that point, I was just like, Oh my God, like this, this movie was a lot deeper than I thought, you know? And, uh, for it to do that, you know, it does make me want to go back and watch it again and just like kind of focus a little bit more on Edward rather than just trying to take mm-hmm. notes for, for a movie. Um, clearly, I own this. I don't know how often I'd go back and watch it, but I would still watch it. I still do like it. It's um, still one of my favorite Johnny Depp movies, one of my favorite Tim Burton movies. So um, I think, you know, I gave it a four just because, yeah, I still had some of the issues. I would uh, like more of the inventor's backstory. Um mm-hmm. I would be very curious to see. I don't know if my special features had any deleted scenes, but I'd be very curious. Uh, very curious about that as well. So, um, but yeah, I, I do want to go back and uh, at least check out the commentary, you know, by Tim Burton to see what else he he had to say about that. So, uh, yeah, I, I want to thank you again for uh, joining me for this review. Um, why don't you give your plugs and contacts? You know, where people can hear you or where they can uh, contact you online. Well, thanks again for having me back. Um, super awesome time. I love these retro movie reviews. Love it, love it, love it. Um, you put out some awesome content, so it's always fun to, to listen and then, and then be able to guest and stuff too. So oh, thank you. you can reach me individually on Twitter at HardCandyMandy with eyes, no Y's. And I'm a part of the GeekCast Radio Network. That's GeekCastRadioNetwork.com. Uh, and you can find our show. It's the Cinema Geeks, um, and you can also listen to us just about everywhere. You can find um, podcasts, and you can also get a hold of us on Twitter at Cinema Geekcast. All right, and as always, I will include those links in the show notes so it's easier for the uh, you, the listener, to access. Yeah, come and find me. Yeah. So for more of my content, uh, you know, I clearly host uh, Hydrate Level 4 and Original Remake with my co-host uh, Michael Denniston of War Machine um, vs. War Horse. Um, both of those shows can be found at followingfilms.com along with, you know, your uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, if that's, uh, you know, a thing you do. Um, I also host uh, We Got Five with Devin where we pick a topic every week and we do a list of uh, our top five favorites. And then uh, Back to the Future fans, I do a Back to the Future, the animated series podcast, which you can find at fairinspace.com and all those other platforms as well. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me on Twitter, uh, I'm most active at HLF Podcast. That's the Hydrate Level 4 account. Until the next episode, for Mandy, I'm Peter, and this is Hydrate Level 4. <laughs>